This is the Making Millionaires Podcast, a realistic, no BS approach to effective and profitable investing. Everything from options trading to real estate. Once I'm done with you, you'll be itching to tell your boss to take a hike. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get in your face about the real way to make money and change your family tree. It's time to start thinking like a winner. So buckle up, sugar cup. It's about to get real. Hey, thanks for joining the Making Millionaires podcast. And thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode, hang out with us. Hope you've had a fantastic time since the last episode. Successful pursuits in all investing activities, and of course, your faith in your family. Today, we're going to dive into the world of Anna Colling's Volume Price Analysis book. If you don't already know, and maybe you do, I'm a Volume Price Analysis trader, VPA trader. And my main technical book to read is The Complete Guide to Volume Price Analysis, authored by Anna Colling. Highly encourage you to go out and pick up that book. ASAP and read it over and over and over again. It's a fantastic book. It certainly changed my career. And honestly, the book itself is nothing groundbreaking. It's not like it's a major, major book that's super technical and a lot of jargon. It just literally highlights what is important in trading. And that's what opened my eyes. It was one of my technical aha moments in trading was to understand that it's not about indicators and EMAs or anything else for that matter. It's simply about liquidity, volume. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go way back to the first couple of chapters, and we're going to discuss Richard Ney. Richard Ney was born in 1916, and Anna Colling talks about this in the book, and he was a major trader uh, with the New York Stock Exchange. And in the 1970s, he wrote a book called The Wall Street Jungle. And in that book, he talks about what the role of the retail trader was, or the lack of the role of the retail trader, and how the markets are managed and manipulated. He also goes on to state eight rules or laws that summarize how the market moves. And it's pretty crazy how accurate these laws are. Even today, 2023, 50 plus years after he wrote that book. That's what we're going to go over and have a little bit of discussion around those. And hopefully you gain a little insight. And we're going to start by going back into 1970, all that book, Wall Street Jungle. And we're going to read the forward that was written about that book in that book. And it goes like this. Mr. Nade demonstrates an understanding of the esoteric operations of the stock exchange. Operations are controlled for the benefit of the insiders who have the special information and the clout to profit from all sorts of transactions, regardless of the actual value of the stock traded. The investor is left out or extraneous factor. The actual value of the listed stock exchange is irrelevant. The name of the game is manipulation. Now, on one hand, this is fantastic information. On the other hand, I'm very careful to use the word manipulation when talking about investing because everyone and their mother on Twitter, Fintwit, Reddit, all the discords across the world talk about how the market is manipulated. Oh, the MM screwed me over on that put. Oh, the MMs hammed me on that call. They reversed it right when I took a call. It's all, it's all manipulation. And in that sense of the word, the way they're applying it with a cloak and dagger behind the scenes, manipulation, I think, is a little naive, and it's a cop-out for your terrible trading. However, the way that it's discussed in this book, and should be discussed because the markets are in fact manipulated, is that the markets are manipulated around certain liquidity levels to drive price action, to buy at value and to sell at premium, or to sell at premium and to buy back at value. That's the whole name of the game, and they are manipulated for that price action. But there certainly isn't a dude manipulating the markets by looking at where you, Bob, takes a put right at a certain low and then bounces the market. They don't care about your transactions. They care about the overall market liquidity. And that's where they manipulate the market around. It's very interesting reading it. And once you understand that concept, you can further understand how the market moves. 
Now they go on to say in this book, quote, to understand the specialist practices, the investor must learn to think of specialists as merchants who want to sell an inventory of stock at retail price levels. When they clear their shelves of inventory, they will seek to employ their profits to buy more merchandise at wholesale prices. That's what we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Buy at value, sell at premium, or sell at premium, and buy back at value. Once we grasp this concept, we are ready to opine on the eight laws. Richard Ney's law number one. As merchants, specialists will expect to sell at retail what they have bought at wholesale, which is basically saying they want to buy inventory at value and sell their inventory at premium. And that is how you get supply and demand in the market. That's where we get bounces. That's where we get rejections. Anna Colin goes on to talk about this a lot in her book by how they use news to create liquidity grabs in the market, how they create the demand, the fear, the selling, the buying that comes along with these big major cycles in the market. Their overarching goal is to buy as low as they can and sell as high as they can, using us, me and you, and everyone else and other funds as well as the mechanism on which to create liquidity. That's pretty basic to understand, rule number one. All right, rule number two. The longer the specialists remain in business, the more money they will accumulate to buy stock at wholesale, which will they then want to sell at retail. So the bigger the player, the longer they're in the game here, the longer we consolidate, the more inventory they're going to buy. Now, Anna Cullen goes on to talk about this again, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference her circling back to this multiple times because that's the whole point, is seeing it from Anna Cullen's perspective. But she goes on to say that the longer we consolidate at a particular level, the more accumulation occurs, thus the more they'll want to sell once we go higher. So the bigger the move up, the bigger the move down, which indicates more volatility. And that last point, the bigger the move, the more volatility, leads me to law number three. The expansion of communications media will bring more people into the market, tending to increase the volatility of stock prices as they increase elements of demand and supply. Now that's where it starts to get a little spooky, because back in 1970, they knew that with the increase of communications and technology, that more players will be brought into the market, thus creating more volatile price action for the stock market. And they finalized that law, I'm going to repeat that, and will increase the elements of supply and demand. So with the bigger players coming in, with more players coming in with the in introduction of technology and media, the more important it is to track supply and demand through volatility. The only way to get through volatility is to, tr is to track the true supply and demand in the markets to understand where the big bounces occur, where the big accumulations occur, where the big rejections occur. Now, I do that through my macro analysis, if, especially on my tier two levels on the server. Uh, that's where I really focus the macro levels, is trying to track the big supplies and demand. And it's not rocket surgery at all. It's not that hard to find these levels. I happen to be particularly good at it. That's why I provide that to my members. But it's really not rocket surgery, and that's what I try to teach, that all you have to do is go through the markets on a macro level, so the monthly, the daily, the weekly, and find where the market historically wants to bounce, reject, consolidate, accumulate, distribute. Now you bring in a couple of things like volume analysis and the volume profile to help you do that. And of course, the introduction of options chain activity, which is a big part of it. But understanding where the market wants to transact or do not want to transact will greatly help you understand where to buy and where to sell. It'll keep you from shorting into demand or buying into a resistance, especially as more people are in the market, the volatility increases, and the more aggressive the supply and demand become, it's more prevalent than ever to understand where those levels occur. Number four, which builds on number three here, in order to buy and sell huge quantities of stock, exchange members will seek new ways to enhance their sales techniques through the use of mass 
media, a.k.a. Russian war, Israeli-Gaza war, COVID, CPI, FOMC, rate hikes, bond sales, bond purchases, Bank of Japan unwinding their rates, etc., etc. If there's one thing we can agree on is that the past three years has been whipsawed by headline news. This market transacts off of headline news, and they manage all the liquidity around that. That is exactly why on some CPIs we get these huge 80 to 100 point sell-offs and then instantly buys back up and goes higher because we come all the way down, shake everybody out, transact into that to the man, provide value into the next transaction, and then they buy it up and rocket it to the next premium. Meanwhile, we just sit around arguing on Twitter. Is this bullish? Is it bearish? Is it good news, bad news? Bad news is good news. Is good news, good news? Is bad news is bad news? When it's all nonsense, there's no way for us to predict how the market is going to interpret the news posting. It's all about driving liquidity based on the current positioning in the market. And that's really what they highlight there. They will seek new ways to enhance their sales techniques through this abuse of mass media. Pretty intriguing stuff. Number five, in order to employ ever-increasing financial resources, specialists will have to affect price declines of ever-increasing dimensions in order to shake out stock. So what they're really saying here is that as more and more and more money is injected into the markets over the years, trillions and trillions of dollars, because think about it. Let's back up for a second. Think how exponential the market has grown between now and 1970, 1960. You go from talking about transactions in the millions to now talking about transactions in the hundreds of billions, if not trillions. So with the ever-increasing financial resources, a.k.a. money, shares, number of shares, specialists will have to affect the price decline of ever-increasing dimensions in order to shake out stocks. So all that really means is increased volatility. With the number of buyers in this market, with the number of amount of resources to buy the dips, the dealers are going to have to shake this thing out harder and harder and harder to shake out the willing buyers. They have to dump it more aggressively and more frequently in order to refresh the liquidity, buy it value to move it higher. Because if everyone, if we have billions and trillions of dollars all on the long side, the price action is not going to move very efficiently. And the shakeouts are going to have to become more and more aggressive. They're going to have to shake out enough stock to create inventory at the value levels. Now you see how this is kind of projecting here, ever increasing volatility and the importance of supply and demand. Now on the flip side, there they talk about they have to shake out sellers with dramatic drawdowns in order to create new value. Number Law number six talks about the opposite side of that. Advances will have to be more dramatic on the upside to attract public interest in order to distribute the ever-increasing accumulated inventories. So just like they need to shake out to the downside, the upsides have to be even more dramatic in order to create willing buyers. Now, Anna Colin goes on to talk about this again, chapters four through seven, four through eight, which is the meat and potatoes of this book. She talks about that in order for dealers to create willing buyers, they have to create a strong, bullish environment at which now retail will finally get on board thinking of FOMO, fear of missing out. So they need to jump on board. Holy crap, this market's pulling away. I need to get on board. I'm a willing buyer now. Boom, hit the bid. So in order to create that with the ever-increasing accumulated inventory, the upsides have to be more dramatic as well. And this is only going to get worse and worse and worse as the years, decades, millennia go by. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Literally all of this written in 1970 is encapsulating what's exactly gone on in the past three years, especially not only with the introduction of more players, aka more liquidity, but with the federal government printing trillions of dollars to be pumped into the market, mainly the seven mega caps. Look how volatile this market has been. In fact, if you were to go to the S&P weekly monthly chart, 
and zoom all the way out back at the 1993 when the SPY was created. The chart from the bottom of 2020 till the end of 2021 was literally exponential. Even comparing against the bull rally we had, which was extraordinary in its own sense, from 2008 until 2019, the rally from the bottom of 2020 until 2021 was literally exponential and blew away every rate of return that the S&P has ever had. Just insane volatility because of the insane liquidity and the insane introduction of players. And you throw on top of that the GameStop craze that threw millions and millions and millions more investors into the options chain. And now, arguably, the, the options chain has now become the leader of the stock market, which usually they're the derivative. That's why they're called derivatives, because they're derivative of the stock market. But now it seems the tail is wagging the dog because of all the introduction of players, which, through the volatile nature of options, has thrown on even more volatility. And we're still seeing that here in 2023. 200-point draw-ups, 300-point drawdowns, weekly by weekly, whereas that was unheard of back in the day. Are we in a new normal with this crazy volatility and price action? Who knows? Probably at least to some representation of what's going on now, maybe not to the full-fledged volatility nature that we have now, but to some degree, yeah, we're probably in a new normal where we can always expect some degree of volatility that's higher than what we experienced in 2018, 17, 19, where the VIX was 8 or 9 and the price action moved 9 points a day. But we'll see. We will see. It has been pretty extraordinary to watch, and if you are a true student of the market, it's been fascinating to learn and adapt and lose and win and adjust and learn and really become a student of this whole environment because it's going to make you a better trader if you stick through it and you actually learn the lessons that the market is trying to teach you. Now, there's two more laws to go over. We've gone through the first six. Now, the seven and eight I have personally highlighted because they really tie into what's going on today, especially me being a mainly S&P trader. One of the heaviest names, arguably, if not the heaviest name traded in the stock market ever. And number seven is the most active stocks will require longer periods of time for their distribution. And because of this extremely high level of inventory, of volume, of volatility, these cycles will become longer and stronger. The consolidations will become longer, the accumulations will become longer, and the distributions will become longer, meaning more sustained drawdowns to shake out the liquidity. If there's tons more people on the inventory than historically present, then the shakeout periods and the distribution periods are going to have to be as long as well to shake out all that inventory. This is to create an efficient price action. So which kind of explains what's happening in 2022 and again in 2023 with these six, seven, 800 point drawdowns in the S&P, because it has to shake out all this inventory. The trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars pumped into the market has to be shaken out. The market can't go up forever, exponential years after year with all this liquidity pumped into the market until it's shaken out. It has to create an efficient auction of buyers and sellers. Now, number eight's pretty spooky. Now remember, this was written in 1970. And nothing has changed since now of 2023. Number eight, the economy will be subjected to increasingly dramatic breakdowns causing inflation, unemployment, high interest rates, and shortages of raw materials. I'm going to read that again. Inflation, unemployment, high interest rates, and shortages of raw materials. All of those things have been on the absolute spotlight the past three years. It's extraordinary to read these rules that are still relevant today to understand where the liquidity lies, to understand that all of this ties together to create value in the market or premium in the market. If you can understand and try to think like someone who has multiple billion dollars invested in the market that they want to buy at value and sell at premium, it'll help you to keep you from chasing these big, big rallies at the tops or shorting into the ground when we're about to bounce or understanding basically how the market moves and why the market moves. Instead of getting frustrated 
and saying, holy crap, the market's manipulated. Understand that, yes, it is manipulated. And it's my job to adapt or die. In 10, 15, 20 years from now, you can either be a long-term investor who's accumulating pretty decent profits throughout your life, or you could be the jabroni sitting at a bar in 30 years, knocking them back, saying, hey, man, I used to be one of those investors too. I tried it. I just wasn't cut out for that kind of racket. Simply because you kept on trying to take puts into a demand and calls into a supply. Richard Nate goes on to say this in the book. The market makers and stocks cannot hide. The major banks who set the exchange rates for the foreign exchange markets cannot hide. In the futures market, volume validates price and gives us a picture of supply and demand coupled with sentiment and the flow of orders as the large operators move in and out of the markets. It's a beautiful summary, synopsis, if you will, of how to go about trading. It's one of the reasons why I am a VPA trader and why I use Bookmap to monitor order flow. Everything I want to do in the market is predicated upon where the participation is in the markets. Now, once you understand all that, if you want to use a couple of EMAs and indicators to identify a pattern, by all means, do it. I have nothing against technical indicators. My only hate against technical indicators is that you cannot derive a system from those indicators. You don't understand what is happening in the market from those indicators. All those indicators do is simply identify a pattern of price action. And even with that, it's still lagging. So if you're going to use those indicators, then please, please, please first understand why, what, when, how the market is doing behind the scenes through the process of order flow and price action. And to throw a third one in there, options chain positioning, which is absolutely crucial in this day and age. Anyway, I thought this was a fun little write-up here that Richard Ney did. Uh, Eight laws from 53 years ago that completely encapsulates what's going on today. Um, again, if you haven't already, please go buy that book, Complete Guide to Volume Price Analysis by Anna Colling. I get absolutely nothing from the sale of that book or recommending that book. It's simply because it changed the way I look at markets, and I think it can do nothing but help you, regardless of the style of trader that you are. If you have any further questions about volume price analysis or trading in general, please come over to the Discord and hang out or shoot me a DM. It's the Options Millionaire Discord. Uh, of course, I do have a free resource on YouTube with hundreds of videos that are free to all. The Options Millionaire YouTube channel, head over there and subscribe to that. Not only will you get the content, but you also get notifications for our Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings live streams that are also open to the public. And then, of course, subscribe to this podcast here on Spotify. Soon to be also streaming on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us and listen to the podcast. Until next time, I will leave you with this. The only thing separating you from financial greatness is the decision to be better.